0: Welcome to PhysioNote Sounds. This is the podcast for pediatric physiotherapists across the world. I'm Gavin Spence joining you today from Cambridge and uh, my friend and colleague Mikalis Kokanakis. You're in London, I think, today.
1: Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to this series of podcasts for physiotherapists this time, especially with our uh, special guest from Ireland today. Yeah, indeed. So we wanted to go international and international we are going.
0: So we have a special guest Eva McCarthy, who is a pediatric physiotherapist in Ireland. I think in Meath. Is that right, Eva? In
2: Meath, that's correct. Yes.
0: Is is that where you're from?
2: Um. Oh God, I'm a bit of a nomad. So, so yes, that's where we're living currently. Um, but it's a beautiful part of the world, not far from Dublin, um, in the east of Ireland. Yeah.
0: So your practice is in Ireland now, but it it hasn't always been in Ireland. I know you've practiced in the UK also. Can you tell us just a little bit about, you know, your practice, how it developed, how you made the move to the UK and then back again to Ireland? Just give us a pricey of of your career to date. Um,
2: So I moved to Liverpool when I was 20 and went to study physiotherapy in the university of liverpool and around that time when we graduated i had great intentions of coming straight home to ireland but at that time things were in the height of the economic crash the first time around and so we decided we would stay put and i was very lucky at that time because jobs are very hard to come by to get a physiotherapy post in a large teaching hospital. So I stayed and like initially did the rounds of you know your junior rotations you go through care of the elderly and stroke rehab and all the rest of it and there was a pediatric ward in the hospital that I was working in initially. And they said, um, listen, nobody else wants to do paediatrics. Will you Will you go in and do that? And I was like, oh God, I don't know if I want to do that myself. But yes, yeah, so ended up doing a junior rotation in paediatrics and absolutely loved it. It was great. And then quite not long after that, I think it might have been a year, a job came up in Hey Children's Hospital, which was back across the water in Liverpool and was lucky enough to get a job there and I absolutely loved it. Uh, It was a fantastic place to work and really if my children hadn't come along I probably would have stayed is the long and short of it but we decided once we had our own children to move back home and um, so yeah so here we are
0: your practice now is exclusively private practice which I think you were you were telling us is not a very common thing in Ireland is that correct? No
2: yes that's absolutely correct so basically we moved back to Ireland and my husband is also a physio and he decided he would set up a private practice and so within that practice I just decided I would do a couple of hours and whatever else see how it went bearing in mind there was very few people doing this and still there is very few people working with exclusively just children in private practice, it's extremely rare. So so yes, so that has, I have basically, as the time's gone on, developed my own clinic within that practice. And it is just, thankfully, going from strength to strength. It's great.
0: It's interesting, what you said that you ended up on the paediatric ward because nobody else wanted to. Michaelis says, I mean, this is a similar thing in, in surgery, isn't it? The people who are actually interested in children's practice, there are not many. And why do you think that is? Because I wouldn't do anything else and I expect you two wouldn't either. But so what is the
1: problem? Why don't people go into it? I haven't really asked you about this before, Gavin, how you ended up doing pediatrics, but certainly for me, I made this decision in my last year of uh, registrar training where I just had to do pediatrics. And for me, it was, um, I got inspired. I got inspired by a great mentor. He put me into the pediatric orthopedic world and there was no return. I cannot imagine myself doing anything else so i think that we share in common and i presume most of physios or some of the surgeons that are going to listen to these podcasts they probably share same stories yeah so was it a mentor for you if or, or was there some other reason why you headed
0: down the pediatric route
2: i think they're for when i think back at the, at the other physios i think there's the fear i think people are generally quite nervous and I even like the physios that I now come across who work with adults would be very nervous about treating children and maybe I was a bit as well but like like you were just saying Carlos as soon as I rotated into paediatrics I honestly couldn't have seen myself doing anything else it was just it's like a it's like a calling you never knew existed.
0: So you think it's more a fear of doing paediatrics rather than a feeling that well it's just paediatrics right it's just kids anyone can do kids.
2: I I do I do think there's an element of like oh my god I'm not I'm not going to be able to do that or you know I'm going to break the tiny babies or you know whatever else I do think there's there's an element of how could I possibly do that but as you know it's not ever straightforward
0: <laughs> No sure so tell us about your practice now then obviously pediatrics is a broad church so do you specialize in certain things or do you have to treat everybody
2: Currently I am treating everything and anything because there's real Definite need for more pediatric physios doing this um, because there is just, I think, getting into the system, and we probably will speak about um, the healthcare system in Ireland, is it's difficult to get in to see physios. And so at the moment, I am literally seeing absolutely anything and everything. So it could go from a baby with plagiocephaly to a teenager with scoliosis. So it is um, it is a broad spectrum of patients, but never dull.
0: Yeah. So, are you saying that there are there are big waiting lists for the, the standard health, the non-private, the state health services? Is that yes. What's driving this?
2: Yeah. So, I think the healthcare system in Ireland is run so similar to the NHS. It's called, termed the HSE Health Services Executive, and it probably always would have had. Longer waiting lists, possibly in comparison to the NHS, but I think, and you probably hear this across the board, given the fact that there has been COVID now, on top of everything else, the waiting list for these children to be seen for non urgent and even in some cases urgent is becoming quite challenging. And they are long waiting lists. And I, and you know, and it's not the clinicians that are in these, you know, within these settings, it is absolutely nothing to do with those, it is the amount. And the backlog and whatever else to get in to see clinicians, whether it's orthopedic consultants or physios, they are they are long waiting times at the moment, yeah.
0: So so there's a similar kind of economic healthcare system in Ireland and, and the UK in terms of a you know the state system. Yes. But what about the differences? Because you've you've seen both worlds really. What what do you perceive as the main differences between your practice in Ireland and the UK?
2: Yeah, I know it's a, obviously have to be mindful of not being too critical of the Irish healthcare system. But I suppose, I think that there, there's a big difference in funding um, uh, in terms of the NHS. I think there's probably a lot more funding that has gone into the NHS as opposed to the HSE. And I think nowadays, there is now jobs that are becoming available, but now there is no one to go into them. Like people will not take the jobs, So that's becoming a real issue. And um, So I think probably it's the overall structure possibly uh, again it is absolutely nothing against the clinicians that are in there it is just the structure and the way things are worked out so I don't envisage it's something that's going to change quickly but yeah so it's probably still going to have its challenges definitely
1: so are you seeing patients from Dublin as well because I know you're sort of half an hour forty five five minutes yeah. outside Yeah. You are? Um,
2: I am. I am seeing patients from up in Northern Ireland. I'm seeing people that are travelling from the West Coast. Because, again, because there's not a lot of people doing this privately. So, yeah, I'm seeing people from kind of anywhere and everywhere, really.
0: And how do they get to hear of you?
2: Social media probably has been the biggest one. And Google is the other one so outside of my normal physio role it, you're trying to kind of man that the likes of the social media and a website and all of those things which is very different never thought I'd have to do those things but I think that's how people find out about about you and that, that's that been great so how, how do you find the,
0: the time to be a full-time clinician you know and and run the business is effectively what you're trying to do
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing it very well, I'll be honest. It is, like I said, it's so different from like going into a hospital and here's your caseload. It is, um, it's very, very different. But I suppose if you're doing something you love, you find the time to do it. And so I really see the big need for this. There is a massive need for these children to be seen. And so... One thing at a time, you know, that's what you do. But yeah, it's definitely come with its different challenges, I would say, as opposed to just your typical day-to-day working.
0: Do you find, though, I mean, one of the problems can be with private practice that you're you're on your own and you miss that team working kind of thing. Are there, how, how do you get around that problem? Or do you have ambitions to work in a bigger team?
2: That has probably been my biggest challenge because I have gone from working within the NHS, within a hospital such as Alder Hay, where I was surrounded by lots of paediatric physios, lots of consultants. Um, so if you have a child that you're a little bit worried about, you can go, um, would you mind just casting your eye on? Um, so the one thing I would say about private practice is, it is it's isolating, very definitely. Um, so I've been very lucky more recently to speak with two other physios that do some private practice and again they're probably about an hour's distance from me so we've set up a little clinical support group and we've been trying to meet regularly and things like that um but for me doing the likes of the courses i mean for me online doing these courses online has been wonderful like i mean it's just opened up a world of possibilities and then just making links with the gps and things like that has probably been another big thing for me too
1: do you get the referrals by gps as well as well as independent referrals from, you know, the parents just find you, they have a long waiting list in the local hospital, they find you and they know about you and they come to find you or is it GPs as well, like private GPs or so how does it work?
2: Yeah, so yeah, the GPs do refer to me and so do what they're called over here now is public health nurses, but like the health visitors um, and things like that. If they notice there's anything with the babies, I would get referrals from them too. So yeah, there's uh, there's multiple streams of referral systems into me which is fine
1: so you discussed you mentioned about the uh this the other two uh, private physiotherapists where you can discuss cases when there's a red flag let's say you have an adolescent there with yep. the knee pain or hip pain you worry about you know let's say Scoofy and you need to refer further is that you work with somebody very close like an orthopedic surgeon or do you refer to the hospital what would be your routine what options do you have as a private physiotherapist in ireland
2: so this happened to me last year after I was doing your course. So this child came in to me and I was like, oh, my God. They're, like, they're, Is you that know. the advanced course you're talking yes. about?
1: The three month yes. The three-month one. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So I did that. And I think it was literally the week after we had done About Scoofies. And I like, of Excellent. course. <laughs> and he came in and there was a history of limping and, you know, like progressive pain. It had been gone on for a And then I looked at him and he stood there and he had a massive scoliosis. And I was like, oh my God, okay. So like it was immediately obvious before I did anything else with him, given the history and the fact that he had a scoliosis. And I was like, right, okay. Now with him, what I ended up doing was I literally phoned as soon as they left. I phoned the GP and I was like, somebody needs to phone me back about this patient because there's something seriously wrong here. Now I can't tell you what it is, but I know there's something seriously wrong. So he, in fairness, they ended up being taken, I think they referred them straight away for x-ray. And they then ended up, he was diagnosed with a scoofy and had surgery, I would say, about a month later. So yes. so
1: x-rays is a problem, isn't it? Because we're, we're, in this series, we're going to find a lot about the, the practices that a special guest like yourself have. But also want to know about the challenges. How do you find it as a private physiotherapist where... If you're working in a, a tertiary referral hospital, like Alder for example, this patient might get a, uh, you, you can ask a consultant who is next to you, you can get an X-ray and you can have a diagnosis right away. Yeah. So one thing would be to phone the GP and get the X-ray. How do you uh, deal with these kind of challenges?
2: Um, it is extremely challenging. And I would say sometimes it will depend on the GP you've got, because like I could be phoning a GP going, I'm really worried about this kid and locally I'm quite lucky that I know the GPs but if it was somebody from out of area sometimes they'll then insist on seeing the patient and then it goes on another couple of weeks or whatever else There is a big drive here in Ireland at the moment about looking at physiotherapists being advanced practitioners and possibly looking to, so I think that's already going on in the UK, but there is a big drive at the moment about them then also being able to refer on for x-ray. So I hope that is something that will come in the pipeline.
1: I strongly believe so. And then on our coming course, which is this summer, June and July, uh, we'll have six webinars within six weeks. The first one is on triage clinics and advanced practitioners. So our advanced practitioners at the Avelina London Children's Hospital, they can now request x-rays. They can request uh, hip x-rays, long leg views or spinal x-rays just for this reason.
0: The idea of advanced practice is fairly embryonic in Ireland. Is that right, Eva? Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it is. It's fairly new. Yeah.
0: So the drive to develop it is coming from who? It's coming from physios. It's coming from the medical side.
2: Um, So basically it's coming from there is a paediatric physio who works in Crumlin, which is one of the main children's hospitals here in Ireland. It's based in Dublin. And she is a clinical specialist, physiotherapist, and she has piloted a study on this. So she is basically working with orthopedic consultants within Crumlin and has basically looked at how her practice or her, her running a clinic alongside orthopedic consultants can reduce waiting time significantly, which is as we know, especially over here, is very important. So it is coming from a physiotherapist, is is pushing it but I do think she has the backing of the orthopaedic consultants within the hospital I do think they definitely have seen the benefit of of her practice
0: and do you think if that kind of practice develops particularly in paediatrics that there will people will want to apply for it because you you mentioned before that there aren't enough people to apply for the jobs necessarily do you think this will make it more attractive
2: I do. I mean, I, th- I think it's so necessary. When I look at the amount of children that are on waiting lists, I just think it is just going to be absolutely vital because sometimes you could have a child that's sitting on a waiting list that might be on a wait over here. It could be years. It could actually be years that they're waiting to be seen, which is a massive problem. And so if it means they get in to see uh, an advanced practiced physiotherapist, that they get seen, that they get x-rayed, they still may need to see an orthopaedic consultant. But again, if it starts that process or takes them off the waiting list, then I think it's it'll be vital.
1: Kevin, if, uh, if you allow me, I think uh, Afi has uh, highlighted something very, very important about being able to, to speak to peers and discuss cases which... In our kind of culture, as, as surgeons, it's very, very common. We have regional societies where we meet every couple of months. We even nowadays, pediatric orthopedic surgeons, we have the so-called DocMata, which is an online platform consisting of uh, over 1,500 pediatric orthopedic surgeons around the globe, where we discuss cases, and we're not afraid to discuss the case. They're all anonymously. We obviously got consent from, from the parents to do so, and we get opinions. So, I'll grab the opportunity, Gavin, just to say we spotted that after quite a few physiotherapy courses we've done in the last few years. So, we created the physionote.org and it's for free. It's for every physiotherapist, either private or tertiary referral hospital. We're trying to, com- to create this online community where people can just put their, their, their cases on. And then other peers can share knowledge, can can say, well, actually, I've seen that you're not there alone. This is what I've done. Not necessarily it would you know it would be the right solution, but at least you know that you're not alone there. So what are you trying to do with two physiotherapists? You might have the opportunity to even have others from tertiary referral hospitals where they can give you some advice from this, and it's made from physiotherapists for physiotherapists. So this is something Gavin and I really feel very passionate about this. And we try to promote via our courses as a kind of peer to peer online clinical help.
2: Which is wonderful, because like that, people are in private practice or in tertiary centres that don't have access to the likes of other clinicians to be able to bounce ideas off or whatever else. It, it can be so isolating and like that if you have a worrying case. So that's brilliant. I will inform my two colleagues or my two peers of that as well. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the main problem, correct me if I'm wrong, but talking to our physiotherapists, we find out that it's not a very common thing. I think people are a bit scared. That you, you you need to know everything. You cannot just ask. While with us, it's very common. We have a very pediatric, as you say. It's it's scary for a reason. You can you can have very complex stuff, and not necessarily you know. So you need to ask others what they think if they see something similar and then they very happily give you the advice because it works, it works vice versa. And I think with physiotherapists, it's a cultural thing that we, you know, we, we find it, you know we have, we've set it up for the last six months and we find it not very easy for people to post cases, if you know what I mean.
2: Absolutely, yes. No, I think, and I, I honestly think like open and honest conversations about these patients is massive. It's absolutely massive. So yes, that's good to know. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I hope that will gain a bit of traction. As, as you say, it's, it's been in the, the medical culture to discuss cases and you know, to admit you don't, you're not really sure which way to turn or you, you think there are many possible ways you could go, but you just want to see what others think. Uh, I, I see no reason why that shouldn't be the, the case with physiotherapy practice as well, but it seems to take a little bit of time to, to get that traction, maybe.
1: I think at least with doctors, the, the more experience we get, Gavin, the more questions we ask if we're junior there, you know, we're afraid to say, we're afraid to admit that we don't know stuff. But then, you know, once the experience comes, you know, we're more keen yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to ask for advice.
0: You know, one, one thing that you've done, Aoife, I think, in your practice, you've released quite a few information videos, haven't you, through social media. We've all learnt, particularly in the pandemic and over lockdown, how useful, actually, <laughs> these online platforms can be to share our practice. Is that something that you found parents have responded to, found, found it useful to get that kind of information
2: that has been massive absolutely massive and I think what I realized was that there was probably not much well I suppose again you have to be mindful of how you say it but again not much kind of like evidence-based or good quality information out there and I think what I realized from seeing the patients within my clinic that Visual is so important because, like, we've all been the physios there, drawing our stick man about these are the exercises we want you to do, and you need to like draw a little stick man and whatever else. But one of the things that we developed within the clinic, and not my doing it, was already something that was ongoing in the clinic, is we have an app which had exercises, d- video demonstrations of exercises. And the more patients that I was getting in, and the more that they were going, "Oh my God, that app is brilliant because I can see it and whatever else," I realized the importance of a visual. And so I then decided I would transform that into the social media element and then just do the likes of the videos, trying to keep it really, really short, but get, getting the information out there. Um, and I think that been, it's been huge and well received, definitely, which is great.
0: You did a post. It was about crawling you know and, and those early milestones. And I found that really helpful because at the moment, all my work is private. And as you know, in private practice, people come very early on in the journey. It's not like in government practice, in tertiary practice, where, you know, if there's a question about delayed milestones, it'll usually be a year before they get to you. So it's very clear that they are delayed. But what am I supposed to do when they bring me as an orthopedic surgeon, a baby who is potentially you know they think there's some, something funny about their crawling i mean i don't know I, I can tell them that there's not an orthopedic problem but i can't say, answer any of their of the other questions about is this normal you know if they're scooting along with one leg and not with the other is that normal and i found your post really really helpful on that because it was you answered all of those questions you pointed out that, that there's a big variety of what be, could be considered normal. And, I, you know, it just goes to show that physios and surgeons, we, ha- we have different skill sets which are complementary. So to have that kind of information shared it was, was really useful to me as a clinician. So to a parent, I think it must be gold dust
2: great oh thank you I'm delighted like because this is the thing you put things out there and you think oh god how is this going to be received or who's going to even interact with it you know so it's great but no I do think like it's been wonderful like because the feedback has been great so you just go right and for me it's just tracking along the developmental milestones and saying this is what you should see this is when you need to see someone or you know whatever else so um no it's great that's a whole different dimension to my practice anyways
1: yeah, yeah. So, so where can we find this? Because I need to go and check it myself now that you mention <laughs> that.
2: Um, so, the mainstay of my stuff at the moment is um, on Instagram. And I did not own an Instagram account up until last year, but I think I've realized this is the way the world is going. And like you say, due to the pandemic and whatever else, people are now spending more time on their phones and on the likes of social media. So I set up an Instagram account and that, thankfully, is just automatically linked to a Facebook account. So they just upload together. So yes, it's just called the Children's Physio Ireland. And I have a website as well. Same name.
1: Excellent. Well, I need to open an Instagram account, it seems like. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> <I'm>
2: telling you it's <laughs> no, a for it. Yeah.
1: excellent so what's next
0: so you've done Instagram now what's going to be your next move
2: uh, podcast no I don't know yeah yeah um, uh, <laughs> no I think uh, for now it is probably just trying to get established I mean this is really the first like Prior to this year, I'd probably done little bits, and like I had a very young family. Uh, they're still young, but um, I was only just doing small bits. And this year is the first year I've really pushed the private practice, and pushed my own business, and pushed getting the information out there. And really, I think over the course of this coming year, I just want to establish the practice, and you know, establish good links with the likes of consultants and GPs. So. It's been a whirlwind of a year, but I think it's good. It's growing and, you know, gaining traction, which is important. And like that, if I can help any families along the way, then it's worthwhile doing.
0: Well, that's fantastic to know. fantastic to hear that you've made such a journey in a short space of time that you've mastered Instagram and all the rest of it. And listen, Ife, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. It's been a real pleasure having you on, hearing about your practice, hearing about the differences between Ireland and the UK yeah so hopefully if it hasn't been too terrifying an experience we can do another podcast with you perhaps next year and, and you can bring us up to date with with all the developments in your practice and your work that'd be great to hear
2: wonderful I'd love to
0: okay well I think it just remains for me to say thank you very much Eva, once again for joining us for the podcast Michaelis for your input as always and I hope people have found that useful to listen to if you have there'll be plenty more of these podcasts just tune in to physio note sounds thanks very much goodbye